0: Thank you for joining us in another Sermon Q&A podcast, sitting here with Pastor Joey and Pastor Sean, as we are going to be discussing um, Pastor Sean's sermon from Sunday on the devastation of sin. He um, recap the story of Cain and Abel and um, really described that, you know, that as mankind of the devastation of sin, that what it causes for us and our relationships with each other and relationships with God, and then how God in His mercy has provided a way out of the devastation of sin.
1: Yeah. I wanted to comb through some parts of your sermon. The, um, I mean, we, so we were talking earlier. Should I about be nervous? Yep, yeah, absolutely. The, um, so the three biggest qualms that I have um, <laughs> which, uh, the progression of sin so quickly from Genesis 3 to Genesis 4. I mean, you have polygamy in there, you have murder in there, you have someone celebrating murder in there. You, you have this unrepentant sinner that doesn't see his sin, and so you just see, the. I mean, you called the sermon the devastation of sin, and I think that was a good title for it, but you just see this progression of depravity happen almost instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the things that are, uh, certainly the broader culture, we could talk about this with non-believers, but even the church itself, um doesn't consider the seriousness of sin, and and I think that was the mood that you were trying to set for us yeah. this past Sunday, mm-hmm. and so can you maybe speak a little bit to, um, and you're, you can tether this to some scripture, or, or you can just speak about it generally, um, why is it that the church needs to feel the seriousness of sin. Why is that important for us?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, you and I were joking before we mic'd up that, that I always pick, pick on you for Romans 3, you know, you're a Romans yeah. 3 guy. But but the reason it's so important to spend significant emotional energy and thought on sin is it makes the gospel shine brighter. And I think the reason the gospel doesn't shine very bright in our culture is we don't spend enough time on sin. and um, the. You know, you know the week before pastor Andrew did you know the maybe a little bit of a Sunday school illustration of the Plato, but you have to go back to what is it that we really deserve we deserve to be crushed we deserve to be ruined uh, for our rebellion and that's why the the rest of this is God's gift of grace which I know you want to cover in a minute but um until you understand God's holiness and our sin and rebellion and I think, as you know, as I was studying the story of Cain and Abel, I mean, I see myself in Cain continually. You know, I'm a, I'm a blame shifter. I'm a, you know, I, I I consider God's consequences too harsh. And you know, and, and but you have to understand sin, to understand the gospel, and how big God's grace is to us. Um, and so, until you see the darkness of sin, you you don't understand the beauty of the light of and the life of the gospel of Christ. So that's why I wanted people to feel the weight of it. I wanted people to consider hell. Um, I wanted people to consider the weight of their rebellion. And I don't think the American church has done a good job of that in general. And So because of that, Jesus doesn't shine very bright in our culture. People don't even know why they need to be saved. Um, so
1: yeah the apostle paul talks about the it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance, and it's what is he being kind about and repentance from what you know that's a, right. the, there's a disconnect there if we don't feel the weightiness of sin why why do you think and so we observe this day in and day out here, and our church isn't unique, but why is it that the church um has maybe become desensitized? To the seriousness of sin.
0: Mm, that's a good question. Um, I know. <laughs> um, I, I think we don't. That's what someone
1: I, says whenever they need a moment to think about how they're going to answer it. Yeah, that's a I, good question. You me a good
0: one. one. I think. Well, I think. I think we're worldly. I think we think like the world, and. Um, we compare ourselves to others rather than understanding the the nature of God. We have to understand the nature of God to understand the nature of sin. So um, until we compare ourselves to what God expects and God's holiness, then you know we, we compare. You know it's just so easy to look at your neighbor and think, "Well, I'm not as bad as," but that's that's not your that's, that's not your starting point. Your starting point is the character and nature of God. And so if we don't understand God, then we don't understand sin and um, so I think that's p- part of the reason, and part of the reason is I, I don't think as a cult, as a Christian culture, we have thought enough about how the gospel, how our sanctification is, you know, we grow in our sanctification through the gospel. I think we've been taught you, the gospel is only about justification. Your sanctification is about being good and. That's why I got kind of animate, adamant this week about, even as believers, as we take the Lord's Supper, as we sing gospel-centered songs, like, the gospel should never grow tiresome to us. It, our sin should, even as a Christian, and now we're the Spirit of God lives inside of us, so we're freed up to battle our sin, but we still sin, um, should deeply grieve us, uh, probably more so, I guess, because God's Spirit now lives in us, and... Um, so the the Gospel should never be wearying to us, but something we cling to from the moment we get saved to through all eternity really to through glorification. you know we're not going to exchange the cross one day for a crown, yeah. that old hymn says, you know nitpicking a little bit, but the life, death, and resurrection of Christ will save us forever so I don't know so.
1: And another piece just from your sermon from this past Sunday, um, you talked about acceptable worship and how God has prescribed what is and isn't acceptable worship yeah. right from the very beginning. And we, you know, you obviously tied that to Cain and his unacceptable worship, but kind of give us, you know, what what's the, how would you define acceptable worship to, to the Lord? for us as believers. Yeah,
0: so before I answer that question, I actually think I did—I don't think I did a very good job in the sermon um, capturing what I was trying to say completely. I think the whole slippery slope of Cain's devastation began with his inability to worship God as God had prescribed, and— which just fuels the devastation of sin. I mean, it's already in his heart. He didn't want to do that, but I think that's the beginning point, you know, is a rejection of what God has described for us of how we may enter his presence, and that's why I think that's that story starts that way. Um, The f- the fuel of, what was the question again about? It's
1: essentially giving us some handles on acceptable worship.
0: Well, it's it's always been by grace, it's by repentance and belief. It's always repentance and belief that we turn from what we think we should be doing and believe what God has told us to do. I, it really is that simple. Um So for Cain, it was Cain and Abel had some prescription of worship. Again, and the text doesn't tell us. I mean, we know, again, Abel brought his best and his firstborn, so it was at least that. Um, you know, I I tend to believe that God actually—I mean—because Hebrews tells us there always had to be shedding of blood for sin, and so I think my opinion is that the that the sacrifice of an animal was probably known. Adam and Eve needed the sacrifice of an animal just to be clothed. So that's an opinion. I don't have a scriptural basis for that. So I think he knew what acceptable worship was. Maybe he didn't want to deal with his brother, <laughs> bartering for a lamb. I don't know, but um. So, so he knew what was what was acceptable and chose not to do that. So it's always worshiping God as God commands. Um, and we, you know, again, we live in a culture that wants to define how, how we should worship, and uh, we're we're moving more and more away. I mean, even from what how to organize a church. You know, if we disagree with the Word of God on that, well, we think it should be organized this way. Well, if the Bible says otherwise, then. <laughs> It's not acceptable worship. It's not an acceptable church at that point. Um, so it's repentance and belief in the word of the Lord. What do you think? I feel like you, there's a thought. That's a you good want question. To... <laughs> <laughs> so the next question is, uh, no, I know, I know uh, you're it, super passionate about this phrase. So yeah, the um,
1: um, no. I, so I think exactly what what you said right at the beginning is, I mean the the ultimate acceptable worship one is repentance and belief in Christ who's the only acceptable sacrifice and so all the old testament sacrifices i think when you're talking about it was, comp- it was understood that that was the appropriate way i'm reading through the book of leviticus right now and and it's bloody and ugly and and it's meant to be that way because the crucifixion is bloody and messy and and um and so those were pointing to the ultimate um acceptable sacrifice uh, to the lord and, and the greek word in, in hebrews 12 actually um where it says therefore since we're surrounded by um uh, or since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and so the author's pointing us back to that um that high priest uh, our ultimate high priest christ let us offer to God acceptable worship. Uh, that word can be translated acceptable sacrifice with reverence and with all for our God as a consuming fire. And the only way that we can do that is by looking to our ultimate acceptable sacrifice that was was Christ. Um, but in in addition to that, acceptable worship being prescribed in his word almost regulative principle type stuff. But the um, I th- it's it's sad because um. It, we're in Christ we should want to know his word so that we can know him so that we can worship him appropriately and um you know we have church buildings full of people that um profess Christ as lord but they don't engage with his word at all the word of god doesn't inform their beliefs and it doesn't inform their behavior or their worship and um and so i i look at it as we're missing out on so much because we're not allowing the word of god to renew our mind um as believers uh, in the gospel of jesus christ and
0: so um which i think in our in christian culture what's been elevated is experience over the word of god you know if i've experienced it, it must be true Yeah as opposed to God's Word being the authority and submitting all our experiences under the authority of the Word of God. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, you've been hitting on this behind the scenes with me, that the idea that God's Word is always good, it's always good, it's always best for us, even when it may not feel that way, it's yeah. still best for us, because He's a good God, and His Word is good, His Word is true, His Word is will remain forever, uh, because it's Reflects his character and nature, which is eternal.
1: Yeah, his word will be true in heaven forever. Yep, yep. So.
0: it's good.
1: Um, so kind of along those lines, uh, you have a lot of, qu- of acceptable worship. This is the la- this is the last thing. Oh. the um, you made this comment about Cain that I don't think this angle. Um, I I, I hope people heard it because I don't think that this is the angle that pastors or teachers often go at when they preach Genesis 4, but you talk about the mark that God gave Cain, not exclusively as a punishment so that people know his sin against his brother, which is, I think, is the piece God kind of marked him. I think Uh, somebody told us earlier, they were thinking of it as the scarlet letter, but you said um, God giving Cain An opportunity to repent by marking his head was a grace of God. Yeah, that was the angle that you hit on, and so I thought that you could maybe speak a little bit more to that.
0: Uh, That's it. We're going to close this time. (laughs) No, I think it's again. Obviously, as you read the story, Cain did not understand the gravity of his sin, the devastation of his standing, all the things I went through, blame shifting, and uh, I I think it's easy to see that in the text, and so what did he deserve? He deserved the wrath and the immediate destruction of the Lord, and the Lord did not give him that. The Lord gave him an opportunity to live, and I just saw that as God being patient with him and still giving Cain an opportunity um, to repent, and, um, you know, I the reason none of us is consumed is a grace of God, and so every human being has an opportunity to get right with God and repent and bring acceptable worship, which is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So um, as I read it, to me, I I know the standard text, the standard look at it is, you know, um, some kind of a scarlet letter mark, which it surely was that, Um, but I just was like, wow, Cain, with all this, he killed his brother, he blames you, I mean, this whole story is just Cain, Cain, Cain being self-consumed um, and God not consuming him on the spot and not allowing him to be consumed by the people around was like, wow. He still had opportunity to acknowledge his sin and God being gracious would have taken him back and um, so I don't know. I don't know what else really what else to say. It just caught me like, wow, he has an opportunity to get straight with God and what a gift of grace and I, I think about my own life and my the times I have been caught up in sin and didn't want to repent and had God taken me out I you know he gave me opportunity he, he's like a god of grace and um you know I I really my burden was for the those in our congregation this week that were unbelievers that really prayed a lot that the spirit would convict them to hey this today may be my opportunity and you know? You know, for I know I'm speaking to our small group leaders. Um, if there's unbelievers in your small group this week, I hope that as you come in, you'll pray, and when you get to that point, you know maybe the Lord will work through your small group, and someone will repent. Uh, going through, we went through Hebrews this summer today multiple times. Hebrews four today, today, today is the day of salvation. You just never know when God is at work, you know, and so um and that is why didn't. That's our commissioning as believers is to take the gospel message forward and give, you know, be the hands and feet of Christ, the mouthpiece of Christ, the herald of the message of the gospel. You never know when someone will, by the power of the word and the power of the spirit, repent of their sin and trust, bring acceptable worship to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I was just struck by that, and I was struck by Cain having that extended opportunity. And I just saw that as grace because I know God's given me that kind of grace before. So when my attitude has been terrible and stinky and he didn't consume me as I deserved. Um, so, so yeah,
1: it's good. Well, thank you, pastor Sean for sitting down with us
0: yep. and thank you small
1: group leaders for uh, just thank your you. service yep. to the Lord. And, and uh, we're grateful for you guys. And we hope that the uh, discussions about the sermons have been profitable and edifying and, Soften the hearts of those in your small group, and we're praying for you. um, Thank you.
0: Thank you all. Have a great week.